How do you respond when someone is mean to you? When they say unkind words or they behave rudely toward you, do you try and keep calm? Or do you find yourself responding in kind? Now, more than hurtful words, what if someone physically attacks you? What would your response be to your attacker? I know a woman who was violently attacked held at knife point, and I think her response was and is amazing. I'll tell you her story coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of The Inner Life. Glad to have you here for this hour. So uh, the, the woman in the story, I'm changing her name to protect her anonymity. I'll call her Naomi, but I do have her permission to share this story with you. Now, the events that I'm telling you, they happened about 20 years ago. Naomi, she was a young wife and the mother of three small children. She lived in a medium-sized city. Uh, They had a three-bedroom house. She and her husband had two cars. There was a trampoline in the backyard for the kids. Just very kind of standard young American family. Naomi was a friendly, outgoing woman. She was active, volunteering at her church. She would help her neighbors regularly, just a person with a very generous heart. And one fall afternoon, there was a knock at the door of Naomi's home. Naomi, her husband, he was at work. She was there at home with her three children. And through the screen door, Naomi, she greeted a young man who was standing there on her porch, someone she'd never met and she'd never seen him before. And he asked if he could use her phone. This was before most people had cell phones. They were just starting to become a thing. So understandable why you know, somebody might ask if there was some urgency, you know, some need there to use your phone. Naomi left him on the porch. She went back inside, brought her wireless home phone for him to use. This man dialed a number, listened. He said there was no answer. He left. Naomi closed the door. She went on with her day. Now, about a half hour later, the same man, he knocked on her door again. Naomi thought about, uh, she thought it was a bit odd that he was back. And she greeted him, still smiling. He asked to use her phone again. Naomi said, okay. She went back into the house to get the phone. But when she returned, this man had let himself in. He was no longer on the porch. He was now standing in her living room. And Naomi, she said, suddenly she had alarms going off in her head. Uh, she started to find herself in getting in that on-guard kind of feeling, that mode. The next events happened very quickly. The front, door, uh, the front door was still ajar, so Naomi, she went to open up the screen door and just let the man out. But as soon as she was in close proximity to him, he pulled out a knife and he brought it around toward her throat. He was standing behind her at this point. Naomi, she instinctively reached up and she put her hand in front of the blade, grabbing it to keep the man from putting it against her neck. And then even as the knife was cutting into her hand, Naomi had that protective response of a mother um, that a mother has for her children. She started pushing with the force of her body to get this man out of the house and away from her children. Thankfully, she was successful and she got outside. Once outside, they're, they're still both struggling there together. She's still holding on to that knife. They both trip on the porch stairs, and they fall down out into Naomi's front yard. Well, Naomi, she lived on a fairly quiet street, but a different man happened to be walking by her house right then. 
right when Naomi and her attacker fell out the door, fell out onto the lawn. And this man, this passerby, he yelled. He saw what was happening. He started to come over. Well, the attacker got up. He started to try and run away, but he got tackled by this other man, realizing something was wrong, seeing blood, seeing what was happening here. Right at that moment, a police cruiser turned into Naomi's street, and Naomi said she said uh, she has no doubt that her guardian angel was working overtime to protect her and her children that day. Well, so Naomi's hands, they were severely cut from grabbing onto that blade to protect herself. She had to have surgery. She had to go through months of physical therapy to repair the motion, the movement in her hand. And then she had to go through the process of the trial against her attacker. He ended up pleading guilty to charges of assault, burglary, and attempted rape. He received a sentence of more than 27 years in prison. Um, This was not his his first offense. So now why do I tell you this story? It's not because of Naomi's quick response and how she fought there so, uh, so, so urgently and heroically in the face of being attacked. And I mean, that is extraordinary, of course. But I'm sharing her story because she told me recently that almost every Sunday when she's at Mass, she prays for her attacker. And she's done this for years and years. Like I say, this, this happened about 20 years ago. And for most of those 20 years— Among the intentions that she holds in her heart, when she goes to Mass, she offers her Sunday Mass for the soul of this man who was planning to rape her and possibly kill her. And that I find far more extraordinary. That's the thing that I find amazing. Well, coming up this Sunday, in the Gospel reading at Mass, we're going to hear Jesus tell us that we should love our enemies and we should pray for those who persecute us. Now, it's one thing to hear those words. It's another thing to live them out. Do you think you could be like Naomi, that you could pray for someone, for literally decades, pray for someone who wanted nothing but evil for you, to the point of taking your life? Maybe you've been hurt by someone and you find it quite impossible to pray for that person. That honestly is a hard thing to do, to pray for someone when they've purposefully done something to hurt you. Well, today we want to spend this hour talking about how we can follow Jesus' teaching to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. And our spiritual director for the hour, Father John Lococo, is back here on The Inner Life. Joining us, he is the director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's currently studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. Father Lococo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to be able to talk with you today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, so... Being able to pray for our enemies, uh, like I said, we're going to hear those words coming up this Sunday at Mass in the Gospel reading. This is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, uh, you know, he, he, he gives a lot more. We're going to hear a lot more here, and maybe we can kind of unpack it uh, over the course of the next several minutes here. But we've got the, the kind of typical thing that he does in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it was said— and he gives one of kind of the classical uh, Old Testament laws, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in this case, or you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then he kind of turns that on its head, and he makes everything about how we should love those who, again, you know, persecute us, pray for those who hurt us. 
this gospel reading from St. Matthew's gospel, anything that I guess initially grabs your attention, Father? Just how serious we need to take our faith. I mean, I, I'm always struck by, I remember I was in the parish and there was a man who was very upset about some of the protocol with how we'd been handling our COVID response, like any parish or business was sort of struggling to satisfy the desires and needs and expectations for what that policy should look like. And he said to me, he's like, look, I pay my dues. And I sort of cut him off there. I was like, this is not some club we belong to, you know, putting money into the basket is not something that sort of is bringing us into this space of privilege and responsibility. It's not a worldview. It's not a lens through which we can make sense of things. It's not some club to belong to, but it is an encounter with the incarnate Lord. And it's something that should radically change our lives. And so when I hear this, it's just a response. This gospel in particular is just like, man, he wants all of my heart, doesn't he? He doesn't just want part of it. He doesn't want just part of me to change, part of me to convert. He wants the totality of who I am, that it's hard enough to follow just these things. But I want this sort of maximal approach to your life. I want the fullness of who you are. Um, and it's not just something that we participate in, but it's something that we enter into. And that's what I'm always reminded of when I come across these verses again. Well, and, you know, when when you're saying he wants all of us, you know, he, he, he wants to make this a truly life-transforming impact. The words that he's saying, what he's calling us to do, how he's calling us to live, you know, even at looking at some of these different things that he's saying— if we do everything that Jesus is saying here, you know, if um, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one. If anyone wants to go to you, go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. If someone wants to press you into service for one mile, go two miles. Mm-hmm. Do you think we run the risk of allowing others to take advantage of us? Or maybe is that kind of the point here that? when we don't try and only look out for ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, that opens a door to possibly change the heart of someone who has it in for us, but also then it changes our heart at the same time. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's where, you know, an engaged life of prayer and real discernment is so important because certainly our Lord invites us at a lot of different moments throughout scripture into if we took his words simply as they stood, judge not lest ye be judged. Um, For example, like I can never make or cast a judgment about anything. I can never say that that thing is objectively bad. Of course not, right? So our Lord is instead, I think, not drawing us into this place of like, you need to be a doormat. That's what it means to follow me. You need to just be a total pacifist. And that this woman, wow, such bravery. I mean, and and truly, I mean, to think of the cop car rolling around the street, really amazing. But to to see in her, what what should the response have been to sort of just bare her neck and not defend herself or her children? Of course not. So I think think it's finding that place in between um, just a cowardice, but also being brash and overbearing to that place of sort of discerning and acknowledging um, that the Lord uses events and people and circumstances of our life, good and bad, all throughout salvation history and into our own lives as well to communicate himself to us. And so we see this from a lot of these different figures, certainly with God's chosen people, um, and to acknowledge in a particular way this participation in the the dynamism of what it means to be alive and to live this life. And so I think making that discernment is, we should be asking ourselves, am I being unnecessarily 
irritated or frustrated or am I being combative when I should just submit? And at times, the Lord's inviting us into that place of submission. Um, as we just saw this past week, this Nicaraguan bishop who's been in prison for almost three decades uh, is one who is just like humbly submitting himself to the rule of law and making of his act this witness to you know, the lack of justice that's going on in his own country. And so that discernment is always just an ongoing work of asking the Lord to sort of pour wisdom into our heart to see what's really going on. Well, and I want to go back to what you said, you know, that it doesn't mean we should be a doormat, you know, that that discernment, it's, there's a difference between having an attitude of retaliation or seeking Mm -hmm. revenge versus allowing someone to continue to maybe abuse us. You know, nobody should remain in a situation where they are being actively abused if if especially you know <laughs> there's something that's that's going to put them or people that they care for in danger like naomi you know there as you said there's nothing wrong in her defending herself in that moment but then she didn't go out and seek out revenge you know she forgave her attacker and now prays for him and and so right. I, I think you know being able to get to that point though that might be the the thing for us that's okay I'm not I, I'm I'm not seeking out revenge. How can I get to a point where somebody who wanted something so horrible for me that I can I can let go of the the thing that was directed toward me and want the best for them? Yeah, you know, I mean I think importantly, it's always like placing these things in a particular context, like the the fortitude that we're called to sort of manifest as we sort of navigate difficulties in our life. Like St. Thomas always like assigns to it the work of patience as well. Like patience is attached to it because it helps us resist giving way to despair or other sort of like difficulties in our life. And I think as we're making that discernment of, am I retaliating or am I responding? Am I being combative because I feel hurt and even justly hurt, right? I mean, I think the world would have looked at Naomi and said, you would have been justified to go scorched earth on this man, sure, right? But she sure. is drawing his heart into her prayer at every mass. Is just such like a beautiful witness, and and it shows the virtue of of sort of patience that helps one sort of navigate these things. We see our Lord's patience in particular, I think, on display in the midst of the Passion, when all of these lies and falsehoods are sort of cast upon him, and most often his response is just silence to just sort of bear it, and and that patience is really an act of fortitude in of itself that helps us to endure these painful or difficult things or to sort of navigate a relationship with somebody that we might think to be our enemy. Talking with Father John Lococo today on The Inner Life, I want to open up the phones for your call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. When have you prayed for that person that has been hurtful to you. Maybe it's just somebody who's difficult for you to be around. You know, did it help ease the tension there of that relationship? Um, what did praying for them do, not only for them, but for you? You know, how, do, how did God work in that moment in your life? Did it help you to maybe grow in humility? Did you, did you look at that person then in a different light, seeing them as a child of God, somebody that Jesus, 
he gave his life for as well. Um, a lot of times when we get annoyed at somebody, it's easy for us to look at somebody and say, well, you know, they're not worth as much as I am. We get that kind of, even if we wouldn't say it in those words, we get that kind of mentality. Maybe you're dealing with something right now where it's, it's a difficulty. It's a hardship for you. You want to pray for that person, but you've been hurt in such a manner that you can't find yourself able to to come to that point of praying for that person that has hurt you. And you'd like some advice, some insight from Father John Lococo. The phone number, again, 888-914-9149, Father, when there is that that time that somebody has really hurt us, when we maybe do find it impossible to forgive someone, what can we do? What are maybe some some first steps that we can do that will open us up, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we can hopefully get to that place where we can start to forgive, we can start to pray, we can start to love that person that's hurt us? I, I think just drawing on, on my own experience, my own life, one of the things that's been such a great aid is just cultivating a rich uh, life of penance, right? Um, it could be difficult to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to pray this rosary for this person who's really truly wronged me, or I'm going to be able to sort of navigate this work environment with this coworker who's been so cruel to me. I mean, certainly I think prudence would dictate at times like that separation that we need, not isolating, but sort of being prudent. This is a person who always incenses you. You shouldn't like say, you know what, I'm going to sit next to them every day at lunch and leave every day at lunch increasingly incensed. So I, I think finding those small mortifications as the Lord invites us to is just those, those parts of our life that are even more difficult to break down, those hearts that are so hardened and need to be softened. It's prayer and penance assigned together. And I find it just personally very difficult to harbor a lot of ill will towards somebody that I'm, you know, skipping lunch for. You know, if you're offering up and making an, an act of penance like we do throughout Lent as it arrives so soon, um, it becomes something that, you know, I can't sit here and sort of in an emotional, effective response, lead myself to this place of, of satisfaction with you and understanding of you. But at the same time, I understand the invitation from the Lord here. What can I do? I can assume this small penance for this person. And that in and of itself is going to lead to an increased capacity for our own prayer. And so just in our own lives, it's a, it's a very beautiful way to begin. And, uh, to sort of think of that person who's frustrating us and just finding the smallest sort of even just no cream in your coffee in the morning or vice versa, you know, that they can just say, my, my life is not my own. It's, it's the Lord's and the Lord is in control. And, I, and I'm not bound to just every immediate passion disordered as they may become that I can sort of navigate these things to a place of, of discipline and understanding. Uh, Father, a lot of uh, calls coming in. Let's uh, go to the phones. Again, if you're listening and you'd like to call in and speak with Father John Lococo, the number is 888-914-9149. Our email address, relevantradio.com. But again, that phone number. As today we're talking about how we can love those uh, who persecute us, pray for our enemies. The phone number, 888-914-9149. Ella is listening in San Diego. Hi, Ella. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. So um, I have um, a, a sibling who has always had this roller coaster relationship with some family members, and in particular with me. 
And for years, you know, I struggled with it because I kept thinking, what have, what have I done? I really, un, you know, I could not think of what I had done to make them act that way. And then they wouldn't talk for like a year, two, three years, and then they come back. And, you know, and I accept them back. I forgive. And a few months are good, and then back into that again, same cycle. So it's been going on for like over a decade. And mm. this two, two years ago, it started again. And this time, you know, I just closed my eyes and I said, because when I think about what have I done, it really irritates me and irks me because I feel like we could be close, but I don't know what happened, who did what. And so it was irritating me a lot. And one day I was just praying and closed my eyes and, you know, pictured myself giving them to Jesus and saying, you know, this whole situation to him and saying, I forgive, Lord. It made me feel better, but it also, you know, uh, a week or two later, the feelings came back and I kept doing that. But my question mm-hmm. is, is what, you know, some family members are telling me that I need to just let go and forgive, but I have let go and forgiven. I don't have any animosity or hard feelings. I just feel more at peace not being around that person because of all the negative energy they bring in. And especially when I don't even know what I have said or done and they try to um, stir up trouble between the whole family. So I don't know, you know, if I'm. So are you asking if it's okay for you to just kind of, you know, keep that, that, that relationship at a distance then that you don't have to kind of keep on going back and walking into a, a, a relationship that evokes that emotional response out of you? Yeah, and it just feels abusive. Like, you know, there, there's a lot that I'm not, you know, going to get into. But, sure. Yeah. Well, no, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think we've got it then, Alice. So, yeah, Father, wh- you know, is it okay to, you know, if, if you know that that's just going to cause problems in the future, for whatever reason, you can't seem to come to some sort of resolution with somebody, you know, whether it's in your family or, or a neighbor or whatever, to just say, yeah, it's just better that we don't interact because it, it causes problems. I just need to kind of keep my distance and pray for them. You know, yes and no. I would I would say to your point that you made earlier, like if those moments of those relationships or, or encounters are toxic, truly, or abusive, truly, I mean, prudence would dictate that they're not environments that we need to draw ourselves into. Um, I think I think what would be maybe a helpful consideration, though, because we feel this in our own way, where it's like I'm really trying to, as my father would always say, turn over a new leaf, and we feel this in a particular way as a penitent and confession. We confess our sins, and we confess all the ways in which we've fallen short. And we we sort of you could think of a of a mother who confesses sort of frustration with her children, leaves the confessional as soon as she goes into the vestibule, sees them running ragged around the vestibule, and then loses her temper again. Like that desire, which was well placed so quickly, is something that's that's sort of doesn't manifest an actual action. And so my invitation for you, Ella, would just be like a consideration of like, what is it particularly about those encounters with this sibling that lead to such sort of frustration or anger or resentment in your own heart? Is it things that they're saying or is it just simply that it is them? You know, because often when we've been hurt by somebody, just being in their presence can be difficult, almost sort of take the, the air and breath out of our very lungs and so in those moments, what's oft, often can be helpful is just to practice that like spirit of gratitude. So, to, so like you don't need to begin with this person. Begin just in your own life. That if we actually cultivate a spirit of gratitude for the blessings that we have, 
we begin to sort of open our eyes to just how present God is at all these different moments. And so if you're looking for an exercise that might be helpful, it's just to sort of say, like, I'm going to try to work on cultivating that spirit of gratitude, generosity, because even then we can see in the person who falls short, who tries us, who sanctifies us, right? Um, we could see ways in which they're also inviting us into a place of holiness, because nonetheless, this encounter has led you to increase your prayer. And so we could certainly see the Lord at, at, at its heart. Mm. Talking with Father John Lacoco here today on The Inner Life. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149. Coming up this Sunday, we're going to hear at Mass the Gospel reading where Jesus says, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And we're trying to unpack that. How do we live that out? Maybe that's a difficulty for you. Maybe there's somebody who has hurt you, and it's difficult for you to get to that point where you want to pray for them. Uh, maybe you have been able to get to that place. Somebody has hurt you in the past. You've been able to pray for that person, to love that person who was your enemy. And how has God worked in your life? How have you grown in your relationship with Christ because of that, that progress you've made, being able to love your enemy? being able to pray for someone who persecuted you. Our phone number here, you can call in and share your story, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com, and we will be right back here on The Inner Life, here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, speaking with Father John Lacoco. He is a vocations director for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, studying canon law at the Catholic University of America, and helping us to look ahead to this upcoming Sunday, the Gospel reading, where we're going to hear Jesus say things like, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. Uh, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you and how we can live that out in our lives. If you would like to call in and speak with Father Lococo, the number here into the studio is 888-914-9149. Maybe uh, that's a difficult thing for you. You feel like somebody has hurt you, and you want to get to that point where you can do what Jesus says. You can love that enemy. You can pray for that person who has persecuted you but you don't feel like you're making any progress getting there. You'd like some advice. That's why Father Lococo is here, 888-914-9149, or email us, relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, you know, one of the things that might be good to talk about here, too, is uh, while we have these words from Jesus that we're going to hear, most of our culture, most of our world that surrounds us does not practice this in any degree, uh, or, or very, very little, you know, and, and there's, mm-hmm. when we look at uh, social media, when we look at a lot of what is being put out there by kind of talking heads in the news media, a lot of that is, it's meant to be inflammatory, it's meant to divide, 
They want mm-hmm. they want the the way that they're going to get ratings is to get you to say, yeah, the people who don't agree with me, they are absolutely wrong, and it's a way of fueling and firing that kind of division, that kind of hate. And and that's what those those different voices are out there after, just simply to get more clicks, more people going to their, their websites, more people buying their merchandise or subscribing to, you know, whatever it is that they're offering. And so we have a culture that is saturated in this kind of an attitude which I think a lot of times we might not even realize that we start saying, well, yeah, I, I agree with this, so that must mean they're right on a bunch of other things. And, and, and pretty soon we don't realize we're kind of being indoctrinated in this hateful attitude, this resentful attitude towards people who don't agree with us. Mm. Yeah, you know, and increasingly prevalent by self-proclaimed Christian uh, commentators as well who – almost like hold up online and in social media, these examples of mothers of children who've been shot or fathers of children who've sort of been abused in some way and like them on the news forgiving the abuser, the attacker. And it's maligned as being this sort of like cowardice and weakness. And it's really remarkable just to sort of see how antithetical it is. I mean, we see our Lord sort of use this sort of word like a perfection right be perfect as your father's perfect and and it it should draw us back uh to his encounter with the rich young man because that word that he's using there is 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 really we could denote more as more like a wholeness a completeness and we see how anger and wrath and and just ways in which we can sort of maintain these relationships of animosity they they really do divide they are the imperfection in our society they it's the opposite of what our lord is inviting us into and so he gives us the plan. I say, love your enemies. How do we do that, Jesus? Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, and that's sort of, it's a difficult thing, but the fruit that can come from that is so, so immense. Father, let's go back to the phones again. The phone number, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father John Lococo, 888-914-9149. And Michael is calling in from Southern California. Hi, Michael. Glad to have you on the air here. Hi, uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. I uh, wanted to share something with uh, Father John, and uh, my question really is, what else can we do uh, mm. to uh, pray for those who have wronged us? So just a little bit of backstory. My, uh, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law lived with us for 20 years, and uh, it got to the point that it was getting really difficult to, to take care of them, and so my wife and I decided to buy them a condo. And uh, everything was well. And at some point, they decided to uh, relocate back overseas. And mm-hmm. at which time we uh, rented, uh, rented out the condo that we purchased for them. And when it time for us to sell it, we uh, told them, uh, my mother-in-law at the time, because uh, my father-in-law had, had since passed, that we were mm-hmm. selling it. And she was fine with it. We didn't realize that she was telling everybody that uh, we stole the condo from her and uh, and uh, told everybody that she knew, including a grandson who was anti-Catholic, and uh, mm. he knew how involved we were in the Catholic Church. And so one time I was doing a Facebook uh, fundraising uh, drive, 
And he was not part of my Facebook network, for, but for whatever reason, he was able to post there. And so he, he, he posted there that we, uh, we stole this condominium that we, we purchased for my mother-in-law. And I kept messaging him. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. Please stop this. And he kept, he kept going on and on and on and reposting well, my private conversations with him. So, Michael, I mean, it sounds like there's really, unfortunately, a lot that's happened there in where you're kind of having your actions portrayed as something that didn't happen. I mean, you know, number one, there's the deceit. There's the misrepresentation of what you're doing. Uh, but it sounds like you've been trying to get to a point where, you know, yeah, you're praying for your your mother-in-law, but maybe is there more that you can do that can salvage that situation? Is that what I'm hearing from from your question here? Yeah, yeah. So my wife and I are now at a point where we're talking to her on the phone, and uh, it takes a lot from us. Uh, we pray uh, every time we do that. And, um, and it takes a, a great amount of grace for us to even, you know, speak to, to her at this point. Um, mm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, not just, you know, trying to be a good Catholic, but I also wanted to, you know, to, to be there for my wife, who's also in the middle of this. And it's just very, it's, it's becoming very difficult, but at the same time, I think the fat, the prayer and fasting that we've done uh, has enabled us to at least have some sort of communication with this person that mm. was the purveyor of of uh, a brief to us for the past. It's been about five. Well, if, Father, sure. yeah, I, I want to let you respond here too because we're we're getting up close to another break. But um, before we have to take that, any advice for Michael? I mean, you know, he's talking about praying, he's talking about fasting for you know trying to to help this relationship. I think another thing he said, you know, it takes a lot out of them. You know, they're praying before they have any conversation here. But you know, the fact that it's kind of it sounds like it's draining for him and his wife. That's also a, a good point, you know. It's it's not like these situations are going to be easy for us, you know. The the love your enemies, pray for those who who persecute you. Um, if it was easy, then it probably wouldn't be Christianity, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of the litany of humility. Uh, just some of them are so hard to sort of pray and to mean it when we pray from the fear of being humiliated. Deliver me, O Jesus, from the fear of being despised from the fear of suffering rebuke, of being calumniated, having these falsehoods sort of harbored against us, um, it, it does press upon a deep fear. Like, we don't want to be exposed. And even when we're in the wrong, we don't want to be exposed, but let alone when we feel that we have not done anything. I just want to encourage you. You're doing the right things. You're fasting. You're praying. You're slowly sort of like piecing this relationship back together, but also kind of curiously, and this, you know, what needs to be received in the right way, we kind of have to like love ourselves first before we can turn that attention towards others in the sense that if we deeply understand ourselves to be begotten by the Father, if we see ourselves as being made in his image and his likeness, if we see ourselves as beloved by the Father, that's then something we're able to begin to see in other people. And that's really the patience that I think it sounds like you've already been sort of putting together to just be patient into that space. But, you know, we're always frustrated when 
the relationship's not fixed as expediently perhaps as we'd want, or it still feels very tenuous and very raw. That's always an invitation then and just the silence of our own prayer, just to sort of build up again a deeper sense of our friendship with God by his grace. If we have that deeply rooted, it allows us to bear all sorts of affronts because we know who we are. We know that we're beloved by him and anything could happen to us from a martyr's crown to the smallest rebuke, and we know nonetheless that we are begotten by God. Yeah, well, and and if you go back, you know, just not too far earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, we're looking at the, the, you know, portion where Jesus is saying here, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. But moments before, uh, the people listening to the Sermon on the Mount would have heard him say, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted, you know, um, that that your reward is in heaven. And so Mm. to know that, okay... I, I can I can hand this over to God and I can ask for his help in this. And even when this persecution is coming my way, I can still rejoice. I can be glad because I have that faith, I have that trust that God is going to ultimately um, you know have have my 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 eternal joy will be being in the presence of God there in heaven. So um, again, talking with Father John Lococo here, we do need to take a short break, but we're going to be back as we continue talking about how we can love our enemies. We can pray for those who persecute us. If you'd like to call in and speak with Father Lococo, the number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Back with more in just a moment here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, speaking with Father John Lococo. He is the vocations director for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And today we're looking ahead to the gospel reading we're going to hear this Sunday at Mass. And it's taken from the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, where Jesus says things like, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. Uh, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And how do we live out that in our lives as Catholics, as Christians? Not easy. Of course it's not easy. And that's uh, Father Lococo is giving us some advice, some insight, uh, things to reflect on to put into practice. And the phone number to call into the studio if you'd like to speak with him, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Also want to encourage you, since we're less than a week out from uh, the beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday next week, uh, we'll start the Lenten season. Well, if you have not signed up yet for Father Rocky's Lenten lessons on the Mass, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, just a couple minutes each day, and you'll be able to walk through and learn about the Mass. Uh, these are absolutely free. You can sign up you, if you go to relevantradio.com, our website, or the Relevant Radio app. You'll see the banner. All you have to do is give us your name and your email address, and you'll get those sent to your email inbox every day throughout Lent. Um, There's a reason that these little videos had over a million views last year. It's because they are so so concise, but they, they give you something that you can think about and appreciate and understand the Mass a little bit more every single day throughout Lent. Again, go sign up, absolutely free, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, you know, Father, in all of this, 
as we've been talking about how we can love our enemies, how we can pray for those who persecute us, any advice on how we might actually just, you know, take those initial steps, how we can learn to love our enemies maybe a little bit better, especially when we feel like, uh, you know, this seems so distant, at least at the outset. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we often get so so concerned with the word enemy uh, and sort of forget and gloss over love. Um, You shall love your neighbor. Even just reflecting and growing in our sense of what the church and what our Lord is inviting us to, when it means to love, it's to extend to the other, to love is to will the good of the other as is their due. And it's it's Paul in his letter to the Romans, I think, that says, you know, it's God who showed his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And so it's this acknowledgement that it's like absent of a moment of forgiveness, absent perhaps the the anger that we are receiving, the rebuke that we're suffering, the lie that's being told, while we're sort of in the midst of our struggle, that's when we're called to sort of prove our love for them. And so willing the good for another in that moment might mean any number of things. It might mean leading them to a place of understanding. It means what doing best for them is separating from them to give them a space in which they could acknowledge how their relationship has been so harmed by their actions. Um, so I just draw the listeners perhaps into a place of reflection. It's like, what do I think when I think it means to love my neighbor and to love my enemies in this way, to, to feel good always around them? I know that there are many moments that our Lord is exhorting the crowds and that in a very human way, that would not have felt very good to do. That it's very easy that when the people wanted to make Jesus a king and to carry him away to just say yes, <laughs> right? But instead, it's it's to love them and to give them what he knows that their hearts need. And so in the same way with our enemies, it's sort of drawing on like, where is the Lord calling me to love them right now? And sometimes that's from like just prayer, but sometimes there are actions that we can take on a very, very practical level in terms of just praxis. One of the things that I have found to be very fruitful in my own life, but also with others, is sending notes. Like, it's hard to confront somebody. It's very impersonal to text somebody. And so an in-between is to sort of sit down, explain how we're feeling, and to really write them that note. Um, And that's always a, a place to perhaps begin sowing, again, seeds of peace and rebuilding that relationship. Mm. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Jennifer, who is calling in from Wausau, Wisconsin. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Father. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going through a divorce right now after 17 years of marriage, and um, I have found Jesus to be very helpful in this experience. Um, but my question for you is, um, what ways can I pray for my husband mm-hmm. um, in hopes that he will reconnect with his relationship with God because he has lost it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just know of, of my prayers for you as you navigate this really difficult chapter in your life um, and for you and your family. I think one of the things, especially in these moments that are so obviously emotionally charged, that are just rooted in family and sort of so much time together, um, we begin to sort of say to ourselves, okay, I need to sort of move into this space of of clarity and understanding about what it means to love them and to pray for them. And that's why at the outset, it was just the invitation that Aquinas notes, especially with a lot of the virtues, but just patience in this regard. And I think one of the best 
prayers that we can pray because so often it feels like we're trying to wrest control uh, of the steering away from the Lord is just pray that the Lord's will be done for his life. Um, and I find that that's a very fruitful practice in our prayer and a way to direct our prayer because it doesn't mean that we need to choose for something to be done. We just would be satisfied solely if the Lord's will be done in his life. And then we see the emphasis of like the penitential practices that we can assume to sanctify our own lives and the lives of those that we pray for. And so as you sort of enter into this, um, just to, to not really understand like what the road is going to look like when there's so much that's so mysterious as you move forward and navigate this. But just if your prayer is very quite simply like, Lord, let your will be done or speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Those are both very honest prayers saying, I'm not quite sure which way I'm supposed to go or how I'm supposed to act or what way I'm supposed to love. But I do know that I need to live out the Lord's will in my life. And I want my husband to live out the Lord's will in his life. And so, Lord, may your will be done. And we can direct our prayer in that way. Let's try and get one more phone call on here before we have to wrap up the hour. Father Kelly is listening in Wisconsin. Hi, Kelly. You're on the air with Father John Lacoco. Hi, Father John. Thank you so much. I need your advice. Uh, there are five families now for 10 years who have come together to try to drive our family, my husband and I, out of our rental home. Mm. And we have gone through so much, but I'm going to keep it brief. Uh we decided that we were going to hold hands every day at 3 o'clock and pray the chaplet for them and for their conversion and for their hearts to change because we don't know what else to do. And we've been doing this every day for over um, about a year now. More, uh, what else can we do? Because we're the only seeing one change is they all leave when the chaplet comes on or they make a lot of noise and rev their engines and throw things. And um, so what else can we do? Because we need to really, this this is getting pretty bad, and we don't have any money to leave. And you've you've confronted them before? Yes. Oh, yeah, we have it in writing even that they would burn our house down, and they asked for more things to do to us. We went to the police. Nothing, nothing was done. Nothing's happened, yeah. We, we go out in our yard, and the transgender girl screams at us. Sure. The man next door and the other ones, they're doing witchcraft and they say they're going to hurt us. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a, it's been 10 years of, of probably the strangest and worst things that ever happened to me and my husband. Sure. And, um, you know, I've come to the conclusion that my heart hurts for them. Mm. And so we, we both sit and pray, but it still hurts. And I don't, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm starting to be weak and sick. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I just want to, yeah, just affirm your courage and patience and resolve that you've shown, especially sort of having navigated always these sort of natural means of reconciliation. We do turn to prayer, but also it's the witness of the martyrs that sort of also draw our attention that to say that nonetheless, despite our joy, despite our peace, despite all the ways in which we try to be a bridge to them with the Lord, um, people reject the voice of the shepherd, right? Um, and that's a difficult thing to find ourselves in, but to acknowledge also the great benefit of that witness that the Lord's inviting you into, a, in, into an environment, I think, of increased perseverance. And so the sacramental life that you enjoy is going to be of particular aid, the Eucharist in a way that you could offer um, not only for them, but as strength for yourselves to, to sort of maintain resolve and to sort of like hold fast 
Paul uses that image of the athlete, right? Who forgoes so much for the sake of a crown that fades, right? What more shall we do for the sake of a crown of unfading glory? And so in sort of a similar way, we're called to witness and our enemies will seek our destruction and sometimes to the point of death. But even then, our witness can have a profound effect in the life of the church um, and around the world. You know, Father, in listening to Kelly there too, and you mentioned, you know, we can look at the the example of saints um, and even St. Paul as he's talking mm. about that perseverance. So many saints that we look at, though, um, they had, especially those martyrs, you know, they knew, okay, I'm going into this persecution, but most likely it's going to be over in the near future. I'll, I'll you know, have the hope of my reward. With us, if we find ourselves in that situation like Kelly, where, you know, day after day, um, week after week, month after month, even year after year, there just seems like there's no end in sight. Is there any? Are there any other saints that you might direct us to, asking for their intercession? You know, you've mentioned a couple of different prayers: that prayer of humility, the litany of humility. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you might recommend that would be kind of a good resource for somebody in that ongoing situation there? Sure. Yeah, I, I think St. Monica is such a great example and intercessor oh, sure. for yeah. those who have to persevere, right? I've Just think of all of those moments in which her son openly rejected her invitation to a radical conversion, um, and just sort of recognizing that she was—I think she was comfortable acknowledging that it might not even be in her own life, that her own intercession from a place of eternal beatitude might be the one thing that would bring her son around, and thanks be to God he converted before her death. Yeah. Uh, Another one that comes to mind, too, is St. Therese. You know, she writes about so many times where, you know, some of the different sisters would do things that, you know, just Mm -hmm. were were constantly this this irritation, this annoyance, whatever it is, and uh, and how she persevered and tried to love them through that. And uh, uh, Father, we're just about out of time here, but it's it's been great to be able to talk with you. Um, in, in our last minute here, just to give you a little bit of extra time, because we've had so many people just <laughs> obviously hurting, and, sure. and there's so much difficulty, I wanted to just give you a little extra time for the final prayer and blessing here. Sure. Absolutely. We begin as we always do in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God, we come to you today. We come to you in so many ways broken in our relationships and our family, wounded by the sins of our own life and the actions and sins of so many others. And you ask you, because you are a good Father who loves us, to send your Holy Spirit into our hearts and to give us that sense of clarity, but also that presence, Lord, that we might be patient in enduring all of these ills we may come to a place of greater healing. And so we ask your blessing upon us and upon all of those who are listening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Father John Lacoco, for spending the hour with us. And I uh, want to say thank you to you for being a part of the hour. Apologies to those who were on the phone, and we didn't just we just didn't have enough time to get to your calls. Uh, stay tuned, of course, because Mass is coming up here starting in about 30 seconds, and that's followed by The Faith Explained. And again, I want to remind you, if you haven't signed up for Lenten Lessons on the Mass, You can do that at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. You can also find the podcast of The Inner Life, this episode. It'll be posted there shortly. Have a wonderful weekend.